Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Well, what a week. What a week. Welcome back, everybody. All right, I'm going to dive right in here. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on the Middle East stuff. Really don't care at this point. I find it fascinating, of course, that endless media outlets continue to get things wrong, reporting endless things that aren't real, even when endless individuals know exactly what's happening and have reported on the truth about what is going on, you can clearly see the war machine just kind of moving forward and uh, and ignoring everything, all of the truth, ignoring anybody who's bringing up the truth, because that's what they have to do. They've done it forever, certainly since the days of modern media and the tele-vision, but either way, it's all rather predictable, certainly for those of us who are awake and can clearly see what's going on. But there is this aspect which I think is interesting, and I left this person out, sort of of the argument that I made at the very beginning, or the observation, I should say, that I made at the beginning of the last episode, which is, what exactly is Real America's Voice doing as a news outlet? And what is Charlie Kirk actually saying? And I have to tell you, they've taken a very interesting stance on this. And it's clearly a strategic stance because the stance that they cannot take is that they understand that this is a false flag and they can't necessarily take the stance that Israel is lying. They can't say that. They can't say that the Zionists who control Israel are lying. The moment that they do that is the moment that all of their money goes away. It's the moment that all of their funding disappears. So a couple of reminders just to review very quickly. And I find this interesting because, I mean, I'll be honest, I have to hand it first to InfoWars for actually coming out and saying, look, this is clearly a false flag. There's going to be a lot of lying. There's going to be a lot of deception. And this is being done, of course, to wage war. They came out and said that, which was great. And that's true. What's interesting, of course, are the associations that Alex Jones and Steve Bannon now have, because Steve Bannon has apparently written the foreword for Alex Jones's most recent book. They've been on each other's shows, not frequently, but they've been on each other's shows before, and, uh, and they align with one another for the most part. What's interesting is, of course, the injection of Charlie Kirk in all of this, because Charlie Kirk works for Real America's Voice. He's talked with Alex Jones numerous times before, but he is also responsible for Turning Point USA. Turning Point USA is a Zionist organization. They have the Star of Remfan on a lot of their posters, certainly within their conferences and at their events, all over, all over the world, frankly. So, If you've ever wondered again, where did Charlie Kirk show up from? Where did he come from? Because he came out of nowhere. Well, that should tell you. He's always had handlers to some extent. And now, of course, he's associated with Real America's Voice. What's interesting, I think, is that it's pretty evident that their consistent reporting on what's going on at the border, our border specifically, with the multinational individuals and, uh, you know, people coming from every conceivable country in, in the world at, at our southern border and, and, of course, being bussed here and being flown here by Zionist organizations, 
What it's done is, is it's backed Real America's Voice and all of the talking heads on that show into a bit of a corner, which is an interesting corner to be in. So here's what they're doing. And again, even Ben Burkwam has brought this up with regularity and in, in his reporting of everything that's going on at the border. He's openly said, said again that, you know, these are Jewish organizations that are busing these individuals here. He's openly said it on the air on Real America's Voice during War Room with Steve Bannon. That's rather revealing because nobody's doubting that. Nobody's saying, well, that can't be true. That's impossible, Ben. You're right there and you can see it and you're talking with the people, but that's, you know, that's impossible. No one's denying that fact because it's a fact, which again puts Real America's Voice in a very interesting position. And as it turns out, their position that they're taking now regarding everything that's taking place is, again, a, certainly a coordinated one. It's one where they all got the memo and they said, look, here's the stance we're taking. Now let's just repeat these talking points. The talking points that they are taking and certainly receiving and then repeating don't have to do with making a whole lot of comments about Israel. They're actually blowing that off to some extent. The point that they're taking, and the, I would say the path of explanation that they're taking is, we don't know who's at our border. And because we don't know, they could be jihadis, and they could be Middle Eastern terrorists. And that's why, of course, we all need to be prepared and we need to be vigilant because we don't know if there's some coordinated attack going to take place in America. See, that right there is the stance that Real America's Voice has decided to take. It's an interesting one because what it does, unfortunately, is it makes excuses for who is really responsible. You see, the terrorists that we've always had in our country are anybody who seeks to undermine the United States, its politicians, its people, its policies, its security, its safety. And we know who those people are. Those people have always been Zionists. That's always been the case. It is a cult. And the cult, Illuminati, Masons, it's all of them. Th these cults, which again are primarily Jewish and of Jewish bloodline, these cults are, are the real terrorists. Now, they're not going to say that. Again, Real America's Voice isn't going to say what I just said. They're not going to make that leap. And that's not a big leap because, I, as I said earlier, even Ben Berkwam has brought it up at the border. These buses are from Jewish organizations. So again, the take that Real America's Voice has decided to take, basically, is that we're going to continue to fo focus on the border because that's what we've been focusing on this entire time, by and large. But now that this is popping off over in a foreign country, allegedly, now what we're going to do is we're still going to focus on the border, but we're going to focus on how it's even more unsecure now. Because look what's happening with a foreign border. Meanwhile, this has been happening in our country for, well, a very long time. And that's putting it mildly. So the terrorists, quote-unquote, ladies and gentlemen, are already here. They've already been here. These are the bankers. These are the CEOs. These are the money lenders. 
These are the talking heads on your TV and the people who cut their checks. That's always been the case. Those are the terrorists. Those are the people, again, that are pulling the strings because those are the cult members. Those are the Zionists. Those are the people that are doing all of this. That's the real issue here. Those are the labor unions. Those are the teachers' unions. Those are the American K-12 public, private, and charter schools. Those are the colleges and universities. It's the same thing. It's all of them. It's the organizations, too, I might add. It's the, it's the fundraisers. It's the charities. It's the churches. It's all of it. They've all been infiltrated with all of these ideologies and all of these messages and all of this propaganda. And they need the propagandized, whether they be, again, minors or adults or older adults, to actually continue what they have planned, which is exactly the direction that they're moving in. So, again, it's not new. It's just, it's the way that it's always been. But the people on Real America's Voice are still missing the point. They're still missing the point. The enemy has always been here. It's always been here. It's not just now crossing our border. They live here. Many of them have dual citizenship. Let me read this very quickly. This was on October 11th. This is a tweet from Charlie Kirk, who you know I don't like. I've never liked him. I think he's, I think he's a fraud. I think he's a blowhard. This is one of these guys, again, who has nothing. He has no spine. You know, uh, I understand people are like, whatever, Sean, you know, he gets in a crowd of, of college students and he tears them up and he's not afraid when they're yelling names at him and all this, you know, whatever. That's all, that's all designed and manufactured to make it look like he's tough. When, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And I'm here to tell you, he's not one of them. He's just not. And you know what I'm talking about. I mean, many of us have the ability to look a person in the face and you know whether or not they're going to cut and run. So I just want you to listen to what he says here. Because again, this is sort of the, the word salad game that he likes to play because he doesn't want to ostracize people because he still wants money. At the exact same time, he wants to play nice with some people within his base so that he doesn't ostracize them either. And he doesn't want to be one of these polarizing individuals like a, uh, you know, like a Ben Shapiro who's now screaming at everybody and losing his mind and essentially ripping his clothes off on air saying that we need to flatten everybody who doesn't agree with him. So here's what Charlie Kirk said at 3.13 p.m. on October 11th. Again, this got a 1.3 million views, which, whatever. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll mention something else a little bit later, but either way, here's what he said. Quote, Israel is not Ukraine. The war in Ukraine is an endless war. Ukraine will never defeat Russia no matter how much money or how many weapons we give them. There is no clear path for winning the war. Ukraine is profoundly corrupt and we have no idea where the money goes and who is siphoning it off. To top it all off, Ukraine's war goals include seizing regions like Crimea, regions that are ethnically Russian, speak Russian, and want to be a part of Russia. The war with Hamas is not an endless war. The objective is clear. See, this is where he changes. This is where he goes in for all Israel. The war with Hamas is not an endless war. The objective is clear. Destroy Hamas and install a government in Gaza that doesn't embrace genocide as a founding principle. 
Well, that's a bit hypocritical because that that's exactly what goes on in Israel. That's that's what the Zionist government is. Because again, as you heard me say in the last episode, they're Zionists. They're not really Jews. He goes on and he says, there are a thousand other reasons why the two are different. Israel is America's number one ally in the Middle East. <laughs> no, no. Oh, see, now he's showing his true colors. Isn't that sad? Didn't take long. Israel is the birthplace of Judaism and Christianity. Israel protects the Holy Land. Israel is a real democracy, and it shares critical intelligence with the United States. He's, he's just so pathetic. He finishes up and he says, I'm not advocating for direct U.S. involvement, but strategically, this much is clear, Israel can win, unquote. Well, that right there pretty much shows he's decided to take a side. Because as I said earlier, and let's face it, he came out of nowhere. Only a Zionist comes out of nowhere. Only someone who's blackmailed or owned comes out of nowhere, finds themselves on stages all across the United States, towing the line, lecturing liberals about what whack jobs they are, stirring up whatever he stirs up, and he wasn't even necessarily one of the first to do it. I mean, let's face it, Milo Yiannopoulos was doing it first. And Milo Yiannopoulos actually cut his teeth overseas in, in Britain as an actual journalist, long before Charlie Kirk was ever even around. Now, again, I'm not taking a side one way or another. I've, uh, you know, I've seen Milo Yiannopoulos speak live before. He was around before Charlie Kirk was, long time ago. And was on TV, again, a long time ago, long before Charlie Kirk. So th there's a difference, but there's no doubt that a Charlie Kirk came around on purpose and was funded to capitalize off of what Miley Yiannopoulos certainly started, which was, let's galvanize the youth. Let's get the youth involved in, in politics again and make it cool again. And yeah, we can put some people down and make fun of people and Maybe that'll you know get some attention because these are the kinds of people that they tend to be, um, you know. But at the exact same time, let's lead them toward noticing the hypocrisy about a number of different subjects. Uh, again, whatever it is, Charlie Kirk came out of nowhere, and it doesn't matter what new manufactured crisis is now the flavor of the month. Without Charlie saying anything, you know what stance he's going to take. Because he can't remain neutral on something like this. He can't educate people about the truth, be objective, and then again simply say, hey, look, we have no business being involved in this. Which again leads me back to the original point of the stance that Real America's Voice is taking. They're, they're back to their default stance of we have to protect the border. And again, I mean, we should, we should mention this too just as a quick reminder. Real America's Voice has really been on two major subjects for a very long time. They've been all over the 2020 election and that being fraudulent, certainly after Joe Biden was installed. I mean, Steve Bannon gave up on 2020 pretty early on, but then he got back on the horse and started to talk about it again, and he's made that a major, a major point of his show and, and other shows. 
on top of that, it's always been about the border also. So a conflict somewhere else is, can easily be tied in to what they're doing without it making look like they're taking too hard of a stance in one direction or another, much like uh, you know the way that the Daily Wire does. I mean, they're all in. We know that. We know who runs them, who funds them, where they get all their money, what, what all their hosts stand for, all those talking heads over there, the contracts they sign, the money they get. I mean, we understand. They're all in for Israel 100%. They're Zionist to the bone. So it's just, you know, this is, a, this is one hell of a psychological war. It really is. But much like Looney Tunes cartoons back in the day, it is, uh, you know, it's, it's Wiley, Wile E. Coyote, super genius, and, uh, and the Roadrunner all over again. It's duck season, rabbit season. With Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck all over again, constantly. You know, you, the, the barrel of the gun gets pushed in their face and they stick two fingers in and then they pull the trigger and nothing happens. And then they pull their two fingers out and then the trigger gets pulled again and it blows their face off and, you know, bl- blows the, the duck bill all the way around his head. All it's doing is consistently exposing individuals for being remarkable cowards. And they're not telling the truth, and it's showing people who really knows the truth about the world we live in and who doesn't. Let me give you another example. I found this rather interesting. Uh, I decided to turn on InfoWars the other day, which would have been, let's see, when, well, yeah, Wednesday. It was Wednesday at, uh, at noon. And sure enough, they started the show off with the Reese report where he read the alleged letter that was written by Albert Pike. Now, I found that interesting, of course, because that's what I did in my last episode before the Reese report even came out. But what it also showed was is that there are numerous individuals who are on a very similar wavelength and that we're paying attention to a number of different things. But in many cases, those of us who are awake are paying attention to very similar things. You're not going to get something like that from a Charlie Kirk. You just won't. You're not going to get something like that. Certainly from anybody else on Real America's Voice, you're not going to get that, uh, you know, on, well, anything, really. You're not going to hear it on Newsmax. You're not going to hear it the further up the chain you go within someone's cable box. There isn't a cable news channel that's going to talk about the Freemasonic influence and the Satanic influence and Zionists and, and how they're all connected and how many of them, again, pre-plan these things. That's a real level of a lack of awareness, or I should, you know, again, a a real level of being asleep that they can't comprehend. And I, and I, I have to, I have to tell you, you know, this right here too, it, it bothers me, but I'm also remarkably sympathetic to this. It's very interesting to understand how brainwashed people truly are. Because one of the very unfortunate things that many people have a hard time grasping is evil. And it truly is that simple. They have a very difficult time grasping evil. So I thought about this the other night before I fell asleep, and I should have written it down because it it made sense in my head, and I thought, well, I should repeat it on the show. So I'm going to dig back into my brain and see if I can recall this. 
if you have individuals who, again, are asleep and they have no concept of evil, now, if you were to ask them, of course, they'd say, yes, I know what evil is. And you'd say, do you really? Because the answer to that is, or at least another question is, is do you understand the depths to which evil will go? And that's where they'll probably get a confused look on their face. And they'll say, well, what do you mean? I mean, murderers are evil. And you'll say, yes, yes. But I'm talking about something like lying. Because you can lie without killing someone. But lying leads to someone dying. Lying also, of course, perpetuates brainwashing. I can't help but think of all of the fake school shootings that have taken place and the way in which endless people have reacted and then implemented policy or procedure based on a lie, based on something that did not happen. So, again, it can create particular things lying, but what it can also do is it can make people unsafe. And it can ultimately get endless people killed, not just in the immediate, but further down the line. 9-11 being an excellent, you know, an excellent example. I mean, look at, the, look at the number of freedoms that we all gave up and that government took from us. I mean, they stole it from us because of a lie. And because of all of the lying that took place around that, that government is here to keep us safe and we're doing this to keep you safe, all of the pat-downs and the TSA this and the airport stuff that, and then of course the slow roll of, of gun regulation and all of that, which has been a constant. But all of that, again, is, is based on lying. But if you bring up the actual lie itself in detail, this is where their armor starts to fall off. The individual who really can't comprehend evil. Because you start to bring up the details of the lie, and they, they won't be able to grasp it. They'll start to say things like, well, I can't believe someone would lie like that. And we've all been there. I mean, I have to say that too. We've all been there when it comes to learning about a particular event in, in almost every single time, certainly early on with the first few times, you start to say to yourself, did they really lie about this? Did they really lie about something that was on that grand a scale? And then you arrive at the answer, which is yes. Master deceivers, not always masterful about it, but they're deceivers nonetheless. That is satanic by nature. But if you were to explain this to someone, again, who believes that they understand evil, you'll very quickly realize, and they will realize, they have no grasp of it. They don't know the depths to which people will go to lie about a particular thing in order to accomplish a very horrible thing. Again, take, take fake school shootings one more time as an example and, and school teacher reactions. And that right there pretty much, I mean, that pretty much defines it. A fake event occurs. They react accordingly based on what the event is designed to bring about, which is a reaction based on a lie. And then they react without question. See, that right there, I think, exemplifies the depths of evil to which the very people reacting cannot grasp. They just can't grasp it. 
I've always imagined this and I've always wanted to do this. And I came very close one time and I've met, I've referenced it before when I was giving a, uh, giving a presentation in Australia back in uh, 20, what was that? 2019 in the spring of 2019, I I came very close to saying this, but I I didn't, I alluded to it, but I, I didn't outright say it. I've always Walter Mittied what it would be like to stand in front of a faculty of American K-12 school teachers and tell them about fake shootings. And then say, when I'm done with my presentation, which won't last very long, I'm going to give you videos that you need to watch when you go home. But you can also ask me questions right here and right now when I'm done with my very brief presentation. And I would open up, of course, by saying that they didn't happen. The vast majority of American K-12 school teachers and administrators in the room would never be able to grasp that. They would never be able to grasp, grasp the real truth. They wouldn't. They're too programmed. And that in itself is the real evil. Because it causes, an, it causes a person to look inward and say, wait a minute. I've been the victim of this evil and the actual target of this evil the entire time. It wasn't that somebody put a gun to my head, but what they did do is they put information in my head that wasn't real, that was a lie. And that is evil. Once they arrive at that point, they'll probably have a complete breakdown. They would probably have a total breakdown, or depending on how you look at it, glass half full, glass half empty, they'll have a breakthrough. And they'll say to themselves, oh my God, what else have I been lied to about? How else have I been manipulated? I think what's happening now is, is you're seeing more and more individuals get tired of the constant manipulation. And that's causing a forfeiture of either Again, not wanting to care, or again, blindly supporting particular things, which we know many brainwashed people are still going to do. So, I don't know. There's a lot there. I do want to read this, though, because this is filled with particular questions, which, again, ties in with everything that I've just said. But I found this post the other day on greatawakening.win, and it was interesting, which, by the way, I've been kicked off of that platform yet again. (laughs) <laughs> for telling the truth and for calling out people who are spreading uh who are spreading lies and historic fallacies but either way i could sort of take it as a badge of courage that i've been kicked off at least 5 5 or 6 times now uh but i just keep coming back and keep making comments and they can't uh you know they can't stop me from doing that but anyway it says this it is titled israel and hamas are the ultimate litmus test for the great awakening I don't know if it's the ultimate litmus test, but it's a test. It's just another test. And we're seeing who's passing and who's failing. Uh, It says the following quote, and there's basically five points here. It says the first point is questioning authority. The second point is emotional intelligence. The third point is pattern recognition. The fourth point is loyalty and patriotism. And the fifth point is leadership. It says the following. This event is currently testing the masses on several fronts. Number one, questioning authority. How well are people questioning the news? 
and alleged photos and videos being released about these attacks? Question mark. How are they just accepting it all as fact on face, on face value? Is anti-Semitism, quote-unquote, really a threat? And is Israel justified with a brutal assault? Or is Palestine the true victim? Is Hamas a creation of the CIA and Israel? Or is it a gr grassroots terror organization cultivated by religious dogma? Good questions. This is what, again, people should be asking themselves. Number two, emotional intelligence. Are people rallying to Palestine or Israel because of heightened emotion? Or are people willing to seek a more nuanced position using logic? Let me give you another example very quickly in the so-called alternative media, and that's Rebel News. Rebel News, based out of Canada, is also a Zionist organization. They're Israel to the bone. They send, uh, well, I forget the guy's name, it's uh, Yami, I think his name is. He, he's, again, he's Israeli, or uh, he's, he's Jewish anyway. And he, he works for Rebel News, and they send him all over the place. They send him to Australia, they send him to Canada, the United States, uh, and now he's allegedly over in Israel right now. Same thing. They're, they're all in on it too, but they again play all sides because they want to control the way that people think. So they'll walk up to Albert Borla, the CEO of, of Pfizer, and ask him questions in Switzerland. And say, oh, this is the best interview ever, and you know, this is the best confrontation of a pharmaceutical president that's ever occurred, and blah blah blah. But at the exact same time, they're over in Israel now, licking the boots of Zionists. It's interesting. I mean, that right there pretty much exposes them on on many levels, does it not? Number three here that they list is pattern recognition. It says we see time and time again of false flags. In fact, Israelis have been calling this their 9-11. We all know 9-11 was an inside job. And similarly, Israel decided to shut down the hundreds of billions of dollars worth of defense and were warned of a looming terrorist threat. And that's true. All of that is true. Again, the hypocrisy is right here. The, the, the two-faced nature of everything is right here. Number four, loyalty and patriotism. We have seen a great waning of support of sending money to Ukraine. Now that we have pivoted to Israel, are these people suddenly willing to send funding to Israel or Palestine over this conflict? I mean, it's two heads of the same snake. Israel and Ukraine are just, you know, just two different sandboxes. They're two different playgrounds. But the playgrounds are owned by the same people. And they're funded by the same people. And unfortunately, a lot of that is the American taxpayer. And number five, leadership. Are people taking a stance in fear of rocking the boat, quote unquote? Do they choose a side because of fear of being ousted by their own friends and family? Are they choosing to stay neutral because they don't want to be seen as rocking the boat? Or are people coming out? with their own conclusions over these attacks. Whose flag are people raising? Will the masses succeed in this test, or will they fail? Are people awakened enough? Unquote. It's a nice summary, I thought. That's a nice summary. 
It's a it's a quicker summary than than the one that I certainly explained. But I mean that that works. That works. We're, we're seeing it. We're seeing again who's towing the company line, who's reading the company memo, and who isn't. Again, it's no different than the American K-12 school teacher who hangs a rainbow flag outside of their classroom, as I said in the last episode. Same thing. A person who is, who, who is told that they can do that by the so-called company and the higher-ups, well, if they're going to do it, then they're a team player. And they're not thinking as an individual, and they're not looking into it to see how they're being manipulated. But it really does take looking into it to find out that ultimately they are being manipulated. Because at face value, they don't think that they are being. And it's not just a rainbow flag outside of a classroom. It's frankly any environment and any subject where everybody's being told to do the exact same thing at the exact same time without saying, hey, wait a minute, there might be a better way. Or why is it that I have to do that? And just because all of these people over here are doing this, why is it that I have to do that? Now, of course, it varies depending on the working environment. Clearly, if you're working on an assembly line, it would help that everybody has their own individual job or that two people are doing the exact same thing at the same time. I mean, that would, that would be beneficial, clearly, for the bottom line. But in positions like, you know, being a school teacher, for example, I mean, it, they're purposefully rooting out individualized thought. No different in the media. They're ruling out individualized thought. They've got the illusion of all of these channels, and there's the illusion of choice and the illusion of alternative media and whatever else. But again, how many of them are openly taking a stance and learning and thinking? You heard me mention Stu Peters the other day and how he's clearly learning and he's clearly thinking and he's clearly connecting dots and, and continues to do so. There are endless other channels that are not doing that. And that will ultimately lead to their downfall. It's no different than what we've seen with Fox News and CNN. They're the butt of every joke. And they're the butt of every joke because they aren't learning. That's it. They're not learning. They're not evolving. They're not advancing. They're not doing any of those things that are actually critical to being a human being. And you've heard me say it a thousand times. When you stop being curious, you cease to be a human being. You stop being the thing that you were born to be in the first place. Again, I'll, I'll give you one quick example. Everybody's heard of this, of course, and it's, it's been everywhere. The whole 40 babies thing. You know, the 40 uh, decapitated babies and toddlers thing. That entire thing, again, was a complete and utter lie. It's been proven to be a lie, but who isn't learning? Who's not learning from their own mistakes and, and, and what is it that they're going to do in the future regarding that story? Are they, are they going to backtrack and say, well, it didn't happen? Are they going to start from a spot of, hey, wait a minute, we can't confirm any of this. We just had a person just, just say something without any evidence and then just sort of haphazardly talk about it and then even correct it on their own Twitter account. No, they're not. They're not going to ask any more questions. They're just going to double down because it's the world's worst game of telephone. So again, CNN has come out and said, well, no, we now know for certain that it's real because the Israeli government says so. That's, that's, not, that's not the scientific method. You see, the scientific method requires no argument. 
It's supposed to be an emotionless, objective look at things, using your brain, your eyes, and your ears, and then asking questions, and then arriving somewhere toward a conclusion. And then again, if you have to go backwards into the scientific method and wrap around again to come back through to either change your alleged conclusion objectively, then you do that. But that's not what they're doing. That's not what they do in the media. That's not what this evil does. All this evil does then is double down. And if you doubt them on any, on any wavelength, they'll double down again. And they'll just keep doubling down. Because there's an agenda, and they have to. No different in any other organization. When you try to tell them that what they're doing is wrong, they will double down. They'll never back down from their stance because that implies fault. It implies direct fault. And when that exists, you lose people. You lose individuals when, when you openly start to admit that you've had everything wrong and that you've run with the wrong thing for a very long time or even a short amount of time. Again, ask yourself a question. When was the last time you heard an American K-12 school apologize for anything? They've abused endless people over the last three years and, frankly, for the last 100 plus. But how often have you heard them apologize for anything? They don't. They're not in the apology business. Because if they apologize, they know that people will leave. Because it's an admission of guilt. It's an admission that they did something that they should not have done. And then credibility's out the window, and then they lose money, and people again unenroll their children, and so on and so forth. It's 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 every it's every business model. Did Bud Light come out and apologize? No, Bud Light doubled down. They said, "Look, we represent everybody, and uh, we, we understand there's high emotions, and blah blah blah." I mean, they they down they, you know they they dance around it with their their word salad, but they never come out and say, "We are sorry." I'm sorry. We made a horrible, horrible mistake. The person has been fired who was responsible for this mistake. This will never happen again. And if anyone thinks this wasn't a mistake, they will be fired too. They never do that. Never happens. That's why the same kinds of behaviors repeat themselves. You've heard me say it too. Everybody says that history repeats itself. No, it's people and behaviors. Behaviors always repeat themselves. And when there's no accountability, well, then there's your answer. The behavior will rear its ugly head yet again, time and time again. Now, here's what I want to do. And again, this, this ties in directly into the education stuff that I have for this episode. There was a story that was sent to me by our Louisiana educator friend. And, uh, and it's an interesting one. Because it has to do with a school principal. I'm just going to summarize it uh, verbally here rather quickly without getting into too many details, although it's, it's rather straightforward. There was a school principal of a high school, and he, he was shown video from an off-campus, unschool-related party that was conducted by the parents or chaperoned and held by the parents of a female high school student. And, uh, and again, th this party was, it was what it was. It had dancing and, you know, strobe lights and the whole thing. Um, this particular student apparently had a, a 4.2 grade point average and they weren't doing anything wrong. 
I mean, they were, they were dancing at a party the way that people do and, and being a teenager. That's not a crime. The school principal apparently decided to see this, photo, uh, see this footage rather, and, and saw this footage and brought the student into his office after, after the dance party, which again was during the weekend and had nothing to do with the school whatsoever, but uh, brought them in and, and started to question them about their morals and values and that they should read the Bible and they should do this and they should do that. Um, again, no law was broken. And that's essentially it. What this shows is, is this shows, in my opinion, the overreaching that a school employee would have on a minor and on one of their students. Uh, Apparently, this administrator, the school principal, also threatened to take away their, their scholarship, whatever, opportunities. Now, I don't know how that's even possible. Because again, a grade point average is a grade point average. Your grade card's a grade card. A diploma is a diploma. A school principal has no say in a scholarship of any kind for some college or university if that's what they choose to do and that's where they choose to go. They have no say in the matter. So they were clearly engaging in a I'm a holier than thou kind of person and you know this is the responsibility of the community and the school and we have to remind people to be certain kinds of people and and whatever else. My problem with this, beyond basically what I just said and the absurdity of the whole thing, is that this is what happens when school employees, i.e. government, oversteps their bounds and tries to be the parent. Again, the mother was even interviewed by an affiliate, a local news affiliate, and said, look, Nothing wrong happened. They're teenagers being teenagers. We were the ones that hosted the party. It was in our backyard. There was no problem. There was no illegality. We were having fun. But the principal, again, sticks his nose where it doesn't belong. This happens with, with, with regularity. That, too, should show people that they need to homeschool their children because there are endless school employees who stick their noses where, where it does not belong. Now, again, He's a school principal. Uh, her reading the Bible or not reading the Bible has nothing to do with him. There's no, there's no connection. In my opinion, though, I think that what this does is, is it brings into question the, the larger agenda, which has always been what control can government have over what people do away from government institutions. And again, whether he was referencing Bible quotes or not, you know, as far as I'm concerned, that's irrelevant. I'm pushing that to the side, and I'm just looking at government institution and the home. Again, you have a you have a school principal injecting himself in the home of a minor, where parents were present, where other minors were present, whose parents knew that they were there as they're all dancing and listening to music and doing what they're doing. And uh, and he, this this male school principal deems it important to inject himself in the scenario when it has nothing to do with him. So, regardless of uh, again as to whether or not he was referencing the Bible or not, it 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 doesn't matter. He was he, he is government and he's injecting himself in the home, and in between the child and the parent, pretending to be parent and pretending to be related in some way. That's the problem I have.
there's there's no space for that from a school standpoint. None, zero. And again, the school environment is a can be a holier than thou environment. They always think that they have the best interests of of students in mind or kids, as they would say. Our kids, you know, we always care about the safety and security of our kids. They always say that that garbage because they want to be the parent. They're the pretend parent, but they are government, as we know. So that was it. It was an interesting thing, and as it, as it turns out, the conclusion of that entire story is that the school principal ended up apologizing. Uh, all the threats were essentially rescinded and taken back. Uh, the student hasn't been expelled or suspended or anything like that. Everything's kind of back to normal. Only the fact that the school principal is so embarrassed now by his actions and the attention that it brought that he's requested that he uh, remain on leave for the remainder of the year. So he's either going to look for another job because the people in the area think that he's a whack job, and he kind of is because he's injecting himself in the home when he has no business doing that. Um, you know, or he's just going to spend again. Yeah, he's going to spend the time looking for another job. I can't imagine him coming back and being taken seriously, because now everybody's going to look at him like, okay, who else are you going to do this to? Who else are you going to pull into your office and threaten publicly away from their own parents? So that happened. And that's a thing, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, that happens with regularity across the board. So just wanted to mention that very, very briefly. Not to get back uh, into the Israel-Palestine stuff very quickly, but just as a quick follow-up to the uh, previous story I mentioned in the last episode regarding Harvard University. Um, I don't think I said it. I wasn't very clear. I was talking about Harvard University's graduation as not being very white that if you've ever watched one of their graduations it's it's clearly made up of foreigners and individuals who are not you know from here um by and large anyway and that of course shocks the you know the the president as to why they wouldn't uh sort of toe the line based on on the president's politics but what's interesting is just within the last day or so as a result of these 30 plus pro palestinian student organizations that exist on campus all of these organizations and their students have now been threatened and they've all been threatened by whom exactly they've been threatened by CEOs of companies and other employment opportunity individuals uh you know recruiters and things of that nature by basically saying if you don't backtrack on what you said about Palestine and supporting Palestinians then you're never going to work here at our company and then these students have done what now? That Well, they've all panicked because they're saying to themselves, well, now I'm not going to get a job after school. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. They just, in one fell swoop, the Zionists just told everybody who, who runs things here in this country. They just told everybody. But they're college students and they're cowards. So, of course, they're going to back down from their stance, whatever stance that may be, because now what? Their bank accounts have been threatened. Their potential future employment's been threatened. It's pathetic. It's absolutely beyond pathetic. They, uh, you know, college students are as liquid as liquid gets. 
you can tip them in one direction and it flows this way and then you can very easily tip them back in the other direction by threatening them with something that they so desperately think that they want and before you know it they just immediately flood right back into the opposite direction it's pathetic just pathetic all right there was also this uh before i get into a school board related issue which is rather interesting i think but there was this first I mentioned the Morgan State University alleged shooting that took place on their campus that apparently injured five people, including four students, it says. And they're still looking, apparently, for two people, uh, people of interest. This is from USA Today, and it is titled, can't make it up, Morgan State University plans to build wall around campus after homecoming week shooting. It says leaders have announced plans to build a wall around the campus after a shooting that injured five, including four students, during homecoming week celebrations. It says David Wilson, the president of Morgan State University, said at a campus town hall Tuesday that the wall would effectively, quote, eliminate unfettered access, unquote, by extending existing barriers by about 8,000 feet encircling 90% of the campus. <laughs> it's incredible. So a wall so a wall's going to keep you safe now. You know, this is part of it too. This is the hypocrisy aspect of this whole thing too. This has to be exhausting. Doesn't this have to be exhausting for endless people? They were all anti-border wall in the United States. That's not going to keep us safe. We need to be fair people. Oh, wait a minute. There's an alleged shooting on our campus. Now we need a wall that encompasses our entire campus and encircles us all. That will hopefully keep us safe, but don't worry, it's not going to cut out the outside community. It's just going to keep us safe on the inside. Give me a break. Give me a break. They don't even hear themselves talk. This is how brainwashed and far gone they are. It's astounding. Okay. Now, here's what I want to bring up next that's education-related. Um, I watched, again, I've referenced this school district in the past. You're probably familiar with it by now at this point. But, And as you've heard me say a million times, if you want to see the most brainwashed people on planet Earth, you have got to watch a school board meeting. Watch it from beginning to end. And as I've said, too, pay attention to what they never bring up. I mean, they never. They never bring up what is of the most vital importance, which of course is the fact that they've participated in the largest example of child abuse that our country has ever seen. And they all went along with it, and they all voted for it, and they, they never stopped to think, wait a minute, why is every single institution doing the exact same thing? Could there possibly be another way? Is there something we're missing? Is there something that that we aren't considering here because we're believing all of these strangers that we've never met. We might want to actually think for ourselves as individuals, but again, that's not the business. The business is not designed for thinkers. It is designed for followers and for conformists. I'm specifically referencing here now the Westerville City School Board meeting in Westerville, Ohio. This is, of course, is where my niece and nephew go, and, and this school district is, is brain dead beyond brain dead. They all are, like I said, but, you know, uh, these people take the taco. 
So here's what's happened. What's happened now is they have themselves a new superintendent. A Dr. Joe Clark is his name. This guy comes from another school district in Northeast Ohio. And you've heard me mention this too, and I'm, I'm going to bring it up right here at the front, but at the beginning of their meeting, where he, of course, is, is sitting on the right side of the table uh, with the other board members there, and then, of course, the treasurer on the other side of the table, they actually have a executive director of a superintendent organization in the state of Ohio give this incoming brand new superintendent, who's been a superintendent again somewhere else in the state, but they're giving him an award, a superintendent's award, basically on his first day on the job, theoretically, for being a great superintendent in in the particular region or zone in which he was a superintendent out of a pool of a bunch of superintendents. Now, you may recall that I've said that when you give people awards, it's usually the kiss of death. What's interesting about this is, is that they could have given them the award on his way out of the last place, but they saved it to give him the award regarding his new incoming school district and at his incoming new school district. So this individual steps up to the lectern and starts to talk, the the individual from this superintendent organization, and talks about how long he's known him and what a great guy he is, and he's, he's got students' best interests at heart, and he really made his bones, and the guy actually said this, he, ma- he made his bones as a superintendent and being a caring superintendent because there was a parent conference meeting involved an individual education plan of a student, and the parent requested that the superintendent be present in the meeting, and he decided to show up as the superintendent and sit in on a parent conference regarding a child's IEP. Now, first of all, parents screaming. I I mean, God, I could go a thousand directions here, so you're going to have to apologize because uh, there's too much to bring up. First of all, let me start on the award just haphazardly. The the, The haphazard nature, well, it's not even haphazard. It's very intentional. The intentional giving of an award to a superintendent at their new place of employment is a giant on purpose. That is done to to continue to perpetuate uh, the basically the award culture, but also the culture of this guy can do no wrong, which begs the question: If he can do no wrong, then why did he leave his last position? Did he leave his last position because he's looking for a bigger district that has more money and he's going to get paid more? Probably. That's usually what superintendents do. If they're not being if they're not caught being corrupt in in one place and their and their career destroyed, they usually move on to find more money. Very common. It's very common. It's uh it, well as you've heard me say, I think it's a useless job. I think it's a useless position. There was a time when schools didn't have superintendents. They just had one person at the front of the class or the front of the one-room schoolhouse doing the whole thing. My great-grandmother, my great-grandmother was a 
a one-room schoolhouse educator, all by herself. There was no superintendent, and she did a fine job, I'm sure. This here again perpetuates the bureaucratic nature of the entire corrupt business. It is organized crime. So, every, one at a time, every basically every board member goes down the line and says, you know, it's so great to have you here. We're so excited. It's going to be fantastic and blah, blah, blah. Again, the guy stands up. He gets his giant award. It's this big framed thing. Turns to the camera, looks at it, you know, whatever, and then walks back and, and sets it down. And, you know, it's great to be here and blah, blah, blah. And here's what he says. And this again, th- this again really grinded my gears because it's typical of a superintendent to say such a thing. Because again, they're always finger gunning people. And when I say finger guns, I mean, you know, make finger guns with your with both of your hands and then kind of shoot them like they're guns because they're basically salesmen. They're car salesmen. They're trying to get everybody to come there and they're trying to act like they care about what every single person thinks and what every single person does. And they want to get everybody's perspective because they're going to be the guy that everybody can trust. Well, that's impossible because that's not human behavior. You can't get everybody to trust one person. It's not going to work that way. So here's here here was his proposal. His proposal as a superintendent was is that between now and the end of February, he plans on having at least a hundred meetings all across the quote unquote community where he listens to students, employees, parents, and other community members about a series of just a few questions he said basically which had to do with what are their concerns what do they want him to do and what would they like to see their school district do in the future basically again the old how can we improve how can we serve you kind of thing well let's get one thing straight we know for certain the one subject that's never going to be brought up in those public meetings, if those public meetings actually take place, if all 100 of those public meetings actually take place, and I'm, I'm using that, that, that number 100 because I, I think that's what he said. I could have it wrong, but he said something absurd like that. The, the one subject that's never going to be brought up is the fact that they went along with the largest lie that's ever existed in the history of our planet that has cost all of them their health and their lives. And that, of course, is the suggestion to take a biological weapon that is killing and maiming the people who take it. That's not going to be brought up in these public sessions. And if it were, there's no chance that he or anybody else in that board meeting is going to bring it up as being one of their major concerns. It won't be. This is a school district, along with every other school district, that forced the masks on people, gagged children, ostracized them, suspended them if they wouldn't go along with gagging themselves and then encourage them to inject themselves, including their, all of their employees, with a biological weapon. Multiple times. Because it's, quote-unquote, the safest way to protect yourself against COVID, unquote. This is not going to be brought up. So having listened to all that nonsense in that board meeting, 
and watched all of those buzzwords get used and the games get played, I decided to take some documents that I've sent other individuals like the sheriff's office and city council and other school districts. And I built this one for this school district, which again could be tailored to any school district. So I've basically created, if you're curious, another template that you can use to email board members, superintendents, you name it, wherever it is that you live, if you want to send a chill of truth down their spine. This is a 12-page document loaded with references. And I'm not going to read the document here. Uh, the actual written part of what I've written them is about three pages long. It is three pages long. And then I have a small list of criminal violations and civil violations that, of course, they've engaged in throughout this entire time. And then I have article references with the hyperlinks based on things that I specifically said within the body of, of the template and the letter that I sent along with Substack articles referencing Karen Kingston's work on how this is the definition of a biological weapon, and then all of the peer-reviewed articles on the harms of masks and the shots, followed by all of those uh, documentaries and books that I have listed also on my website. And it's now all basically in one giant document. So I took it upon myself to 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 build this basically, and then I sent it to them and I emailed it to all of them. Now, wouldn't you know it? The one email that isn't available on their district's website is the very superintendent himself. Mr. I care about what everybody thinks and I want to get to know what everybody thinks. And yet his own email address is not available on the district's website, whereas every school board member's email is available. So they certainly received it. And then, of course, one of the head secretaries in the district office also received this email, too. And I hope that they read it. Because they should have shit their pants when they were done reading it. Because it's frightening. Because it's the truth. It's the exact opposite of what they believe to be true. Because these are brainwashed human beings. They have no idea what they've done. They have no idea what they're continuing to do, and they have no idea what's coming down the line, and that this card is going to get played again. So if you're interested in that document, I'll tell you right where to get it. It's on AmericanEducationFM.com, my website, of course, and click on the Education Documents tab, and then it's the second resource down. And it is titled School District Letter of Warning for Mask Mandates and COVID Shots. You click the Click Here button, it'll open up the PDF, and then you hover your, uh, your cursor over the bottom section, and you can download the PDF right onto your computer. And feel free, and again, copy and paste it onto a Word document, change anything you want to change, certainly add in your, your own school district or school districts around you. You know, add your name at the bottom, things of that nature, excuse me, and then, uh, and then send it off and email these people. You have to understand, again, the, they believe that the echo chamber exists for people like us. How wrong they are. How wrong they are. We are the ones who know what's going on, and we are the ones who are out there trying to break through their echo chamber to some extent and trying to get them 
to understand what's really happening. But they have no idea what's happening. And the cognitive dissonance and the psychological abuse that has been perpetuated on them for as long as it has is so thick that even an email, a 12-page email, loaded with references, directly talking about what they have actually gone along with, with medical proof that that won't be enough to wake them up or shake them out of it. Because I say in the letter itself, you've never apologized for a single thing. You haven't apologized for any of this, and we don't see you apologizing in the future either. The other aspect of this too, which they are not prepared for, is this, and, I'm, uh, and I say this in, in one paragraph. I say, quote, I wouldn't dismiss this email if I was you. Sooner or later, it will become painfully obvious what you have done to yourselves and what you have encouraged and told others to do. If staff and students become ill in the future, as they already have, or they drop dead suddenly, quote-unquote, you will know the reason. Mark my words, a time will come when you will have jab injured or the relatives of jab dead students and staff members address you directly at your board meetings regarding your involvement. You are not prepared for this. And they aren't prepared. They have no idea what's going on in the nursing profession, which I make mention of that too. They have no idea what's happening. So if you're interested again in downloading that that template and that document, I highly recommend it. Again, you can do this anonymously. You can send this to these people anonymously if you want. I, of course, didn't make myself anonymous. I want them to look me up. I want them to see what I've said and what I've written. Because again, if I were to actually address them at a board meeting, unfortunately, they have board meetings where you can only talk about a particular issue. But then again, they'll have board meetings where if, any, if anybody has you know, a general thing that they want to bring up, then they can bring it up. But very rarely does the public within this particular school district actually address anything. And unfortunately, I think what that's done is, is it's brainwashed all participants. It's brainwashed the parents into believing that nothing bad happens in their district, and it's brainwashed the employees and the school board members themselves into believing that they're not doing anything wrong. And they're doing everything wrong. And I mean everything. As they all are. And they have no idea. They don't know that they're actually advocating for their own destruction and that that in itself is and has always been a Marxist ideology. That's the entire point of Marxism, is to have the useful idiot shoot themselves in the foot in their own boat in the middle of the ocean on a constant basis and actually convince them that they're doing the right thing. And it's working. And we're sitting back watching the whole business crumble to the ground, and these buffoons have no idea what they've done. So just wanted to let you know that I've sent that email out. They have that at their disposal. And uh, there you go. And, and you've got the document if you want it. And there you have it. Okay. Speaking of other people who have no idea what the hell is going on in the field of education, get a load of this. And I'm revisiting something, but I'm glad that uh, 
that I got this email because I'm still on their email list for some reason because I, I did apply to present at one of their conferences many years ago, and it was ironically enough declined. Shocking, I know. I'm sure it had something to do with a book that I had written about how the education business is uh, is fully responsible for its own collapse. Either way, shocking that that wouldn't get accepted. But uh, this is the Midwestern Educational Research Association that it always takes place in Cincinnati, Ohio, on a yearly basis. And I referenced this earlier in a previous episode, rather recently, where I was again just kind of going over their their initial pamphlet and their call for presentations and things of that nature. Because I wanted to, again, just briefly explain what these conferences are actually covering and what they're talking about. Well, now they've released their entire schedule and all the titles of their presentations. And I'm going to read them because, uh, well, <laughs> this, is, this is incredible. It's just incredible. Now, very quickly, this is, uh, let, let me read through the, the title page here. Again, Midwestern Educational Research Association, their annual meeting and conference. And it is titled Supporting Teachers Through Educational Research, so they say, from October 18th through the 20th. So this bad boy is taking place next week at the Graduate Hotel and Conference Center in Cincinnati, Ohio. Again, the irony that it is called supporting teachers through educational research. Rather broad, but at the same time, uh, remarkably dismissive of the fact, as you would expect, that they are responsible for everything that has taken place over the last three years plus, including their own failure. Again, this is a conference of people who are destroying their own business, and they are now having a conference trying to figure out why they're destroying their own business. And they still aren't going to figure it out after this conference either. So let me explain for those of you that may be unaware as to how these typically work. They will break up these conferences by divisions. And each division is usually given uh, a particular letter, for example. And then you look through your pamphlet. And then as you're traveling around these conferences within this event center or a conference center, wherever they typically host these, uh, you look for your division, and then you can see it on the wall. And you know, division G is on this floor, and division A is over here, and blah blah blah. And then uh, and, you know, you know basically what rooms to go in, and they schedule the whole thing out, and you know, they know what they're doing from that standpoint by and large. But let me read through these. First of all, there is uh, there's section A here, which is administration, organization, and leadership. And they deal with research theory and development and improving the practice and organization and blah, blah, blah. And then there's B, section B, which is curriculum studies. There's section C, which is learning and instruction. There's section D, which is measurement and research methodology. There's E, which is counseling and human development. There's F, which is history and historiography. There's G, which is social con context of education. It's getting more radical. There's H, which is research evaluation and assessment in schools. There's I, which is education in the professions, is the general section there. There's letter J, which is the post-secondary education. Letter K, which is teaching and teacher education. 
And then there's letter L, which is educational policy and politics. Now, again, there are usually chairs and co-chairs within each of these sections, and these are sometimes the individuals who are responsible for, again, accepting or declining the particular presentations that are proposed. So, here's the actual title of a lot of these presentations that are going to exist throughout this entire uh, this entire conference. I'm probably not going to read through all of them because we're talking about 33 pages of, of presentations here, but I'll get to some of them so you get a taste as, as to what the titles of these are. So again, this is going to start on Wednesday, October 18th, and here's one of the first ones. It is titled, Leading Through Trauma, Strategies for School Leadership in Times of Tragedy. Now, when they list the title, they also list, of course, what room it's going to be in, how long the presentation is. They're usually about 75 minutes long. And then the number of presenters and who exactly is participating in the presentation, and then the abstract itself. Let me read the abstract to this first one, which again is titled, Leading Through Trauma. Strategies for School Leaders in Time of Tragedy. Now you know where this is going already. You're a smart group. You can already taste it. Here's the abstract. It says, quote, School leaders are often called upon to navigate their communities through times of crisis and tragedy. This presentation will provide individuals with an overview of the key strategies and concepts that school leaders need to understand when dealing with tragedy in a school setting. The improvement of practices within educational organizations can be enhanced through this session's sharing of best practices gleaned from the Kentucky Center for School Safety and lived experiences from a school administrator during a time of school tragedy. Through a chapter study and practical examples, this presentation will explore multiple roles that school leaders must inhabit through various phases of a traumatic event, including crisis communication, emotional support, and community engagement. Participants will leave with a better understanding of the unique challenges that arise in times of crises and practical strategies for leading through trauma in school, unquote. Now, I'm not a betting man, but if I were, what do you think the odds are that they're going to bring up fake school shootings? I mean, they're going to bring them up as if they're real but they'll never bring them up as if they are a fake psychological operation designed to bring about the very thing that they are doing at this conference. See, I could shut down the whole conference with one presentation, like I alluded to earlier when I was talking about Walter Mittying talking with a faculty of staff about fake school shootings. If I showed up to this, to this presentation, and I stood up and I said, all the fake school shootings that you just brought up are fake. All those things that you think are real aren't. And it's to bring this about, this very thing that you're presenting. They would, they would all just boo me and shoo me out of the room. 
They would look at me like they had smelled something terrible and get that weird look on their face. They'd have no idea what to do. This is mind control. This is the, this is the depths of evil and mind control. It's amazing. Here's the next one. It's titled Scale and Test Development Using Jamovie, which is a program, for item and scale analysis. Rather boring. I'm sure no one will attend that. Here's the next one. Collaborative Online International Learning. Boring. Here's another one. Advising and Mentoring for Student Success. Perspectives from Administrator, Faculty, and Student. Here's another one. Interorganizational Collaboration. Process of Creating a Joint Statement for Collaborative IEP Goal Writing. Also boring. But it's communistic, too. Educators' Responses to COVID, Then and Now. That's the title of one of them. Let's read the abstract, shall we? I bet this is juicy. Quote, Back by popular demand, it says, I'm sure, this alternative session is the follow-up to a 2022 workshop, Educators' Response to COVID Then and Now, captures the current experiences of educators and the current state of schools since the pandemic. No, there was no pandemic. The only pandemic was stupidity and brainwashing. It says, in a survey that collected both quantitative and qualitative data researchers, data, comma, use a comma, people, comma, researchers share educator responses and compare them to responses that were shared in spring, early summer of 2020. During this alternative session, presenters will share survey data collected May of 2023 through August of 2023 and compare it to survey data collected. May 2020 to August 2020 regarding educators' responses to COVID. Perkins, rather, and Somervold present the results of their study while engaging an audience, I'm sorry, engaging the audience, I can read, to draw conclusions and make predictions about how to best support educators. This alternative session operates from a constructivist framework and ends with a call to action regarding support for educators at many levels, especially during times of crisis. Unquote. They're normalizing the insanity. That's what this is about. I, I guarantee that their May to August of this year data basically said, we're so glad we're through it. We're so glad we're over it. Yes, we're seeing the residual effects, but we've made our way past COVID. We're through it now. Hooray. That's what they're all going to say. That's what the results are going to say. And then they're going to say, now what have we learned? How have we learned to manage this? Well, the, the answer is, is they haven't learned a goddamn thing. They haven't learned anything. They've learned nothing. They're going to repeat themselves because that's what they do. It's the business. If government tells them to wear a mask, they'll put it on. If government tells them to take a shot, they'll do it. It's that simple. Rinse and repeat all over again. Here's another one. The Secret of My Success, it's titled, Hidden Barriers and the Multiple Facets of Success in STEM Gateway Coursework. 
No. <laughs> no, no. Boring. Here's another one. Comic book conversation. Youth e-cigarette educational pro- education rather provided through novel comic book format and lesson plans. Yes, that's right. E-cigarettes and using comic books to teach them about e-cigarettes. This is a pressing issue for these people, apparently. Now, I should mention this, too, and it has to do with the general audience of who shows up and, and, and basically gives presentations. Many of the individuals giving presentations within this conference are from Ohio universities. Uh, in fact, unfortunately, some of the keynote speakers are just a couple of school teachers in a rather local school district. That's it. They're, they're the actual keynote speakers. People who haven't written anything, uh, probably haven't given large presentations in the past, but either way, it's all a bit embarrassing, but they tend to be local university individuals, although there are many individuals who come from many other states in the United States too, Illinois, Florida. I mean, you can pick a state. They're all pretty much represented, but um, anyway, it continues here. Let's see. Leveraging technology for effective classroom assessment and instructional practices. There's another one. Uh, Teacher professional development and collaboration. I'm sure that'll be interesting. Teaching and learning in the middle grades. Now it's just getting repetitive. Current issues in education, content, support, and dilemma. Uh, Here's another one. Diversity in in education, it says. CRT and ethics. It says the session will focus on diversity going beyond CRT and including culturally responsive teaching. Yes, I'm sure that'll be an interesting one. Self-efficacy and reflection on teaching is another one. Strengthening education ecosystems, insights, and opportunities. Here's another one. Trendy Techies Interactive Workshop. How to create an interdisciplinary learning community that explores new classroom tools. Here's another COVID-related one. Building capacity to promote equity and opportunity in urban education in a post-COVID era. I have another presentation here on college, titled College Success and Student Belonging. Well, how are you going to do that? There's less people attending college because they're all jabbed. Multicultural education and global competencies is another one. Mental health, student loan, and board responsibilities is another one. How to publish a manuscript. Good Lord. Navigating educational challenges in a post-COVID-19 era is the title of another one. Health, social development issues, and technology integration in education. It's just repetitive nonsense. Critical literacy and disability studies, blah, blah, blah. Research this, research that. How to write a book, okay. Here's one, research in in progress, division A. Shortages, burnout, and capacity of administrators. The abstract says this research in progress session examines leadership issues when education systems break down from addressing the vicious cycle of teachers' shortages to the burnout of school business officials to the systems set 
I'm sorry, to the systems set up to mentor principals. Again, it's like the inmates in the asylum are giving presentations on why they're inmates in the asylum. There's, but, but they don't see this. They don't see any of this. Here's another one. Diversity, critical pedagogies, and social justice education. I'm sure that's fascinating. Now, here's where it gets even more specific. Some of these presentations are being given with other presentations within a particular uh, w- within a particular division. So, for example, and this is a perfect example because this is insane. There's a division here, the Research in Progress Division G, which has to do with educational change. Now, as we know, they're always trying to change things constantly, and they don't understand that when they're constantly changing things, it's all because of money, and it's the changing that leads everybody to go crazy within these environments. That's the real problem, but not as far as these people are concerned, because these people are a part of implementing all of the things that change. So here are three presentations that are taking place within this one room. The first presentation is is titled, A Comparison of the Regulatory Framework of School-Based Sexual Education in Ghana, Peru, Guatemala, and Kenya. Again, what, what does that have anything to do with anything? Here's another one in that same room. It's titled Fostering Democratic Learning with Generative AI as an Instructional Technology Artifact in K-12 Education. That right there should give it away too. That they are always moving to normalize artificial intelligence and the use of artificial intelligence within the classroom. It started with computer introductions into the classroom. Then it moved its way, of course, into using search engines within the classroom. Now it's full-blown artificial intelligence. You ask a question to an artificial intelligence program, it will provide you with its answer. Here's another one in the same room, and it's the last one in the same room. It's titled, Emotion Vocabulary in Leaders' Reflections on the Emotional and Relational Demands of School Leadership. They just don't see it. They don't see that they are a part of the problem and that their presentations are highlighting the fact that they are a part of the problem. Now, I'm just using my eyeballs here to scan the rest of the document. I'm seeing the words diverse group, adolescence, uh, let's see, serving institutions. What else do we have here? Counseling. Student counseling, lots of counseling, can't forget that. Counseling, as far as the eye can see here, identifying factors of effective mentoring and relationships between adults and elementary students in in urban settings, rather. Connections and communication, programming to self-safety and support safety. Corporate and university partnerships, factors influencing undergraduates' educational and career aspirations, motivation. It just goes on and on and on. And and then that's the end of the conference. Again, these people, in summary, 
they have no idea that they are the ones that are responsible for the very problems that they are giving presentations on. They have no idea. They're shooting, uh, they're, they're shooting themselves in the arm and then saying, okay, I'm going to give a presentation as to why I just did this. Now, I just did this, and I might do it again, but I'm going to give a presentation as to why I just did this and how we all might want to either keep doing this or not doing this, but let's at least you know put our heads together and figure things out. You, you have to walk away from this business. Everybody has to walk away from this and let it completely and utterly crumble. There's no other way around it. This will not survive. This business can't survive. You can't have this many brainwashed people doing what they're doing and behaving the way that they're behaving and accept, expect anything to, to improve. It was designed to fail from the word go, and it's failing. So just get out from underneath it and pull your children out quickly. Because again, geopolitical events, local events, you name it, we know how the school environment is going to act. It will be emotional, irrational, no objectivity, and your children will be downhill of that stream of stupidity. And you just, you just got to run. You have to run. Okay. Sorry that took a little while. Uh, let's see here. Few jab related things, and then I got a giant list of stuff that might come up here in the future. It was a huge list that was on greatawakening.win. I want to get to that too and uh, and round out with a few other subjects. So bear with me here. Our Michigan business owner sent me this earlier in the week, rather interesting. Jab related, if you're curious, you can look this up. This is an actual patent. The Rockefeller University is the current assignee of this particular patent, which was invented by a Jeffrey Friedman every single time and a Sarah Stanley. This says the following. It is titled Ferritin Nanoparticle Compositions and Methods to Modulate Cell Activity. Here's the abstract to this patent, which is patent number US 1078670B2. The abstract reads as follows quote, The present invention provides methods and compositions for the remote control of cell function based on the use of radio frequency waves to excite nanoparticles targeted to specific cell types. Yeah. They've actually patented weaponizing electromagnetic radiation to break apart nanoparticles next to human cells. You can't make this shit up. It continues. The nanoparticles may be applied to the target cell extracellularly and or expressed intracellularly. The cell type of interest expresses a temperature-sensitive channel wherein excitation of the nanoparticles results in a localized temperature increase that is transduced into a cellular response. Such cellular responses may include, for example, increases in gene expression 
resulting in production of one or more physiologically active proteins. The expression of such proteins can be used to treat a variety of different inherited or acquired diseases or disorders in a subject. Accordingly, the invention provides a generic approach for treatment of any disease associated with a protein deficiency. Unquote. Oh no, no, that's not why. <laughs> that's, that's not why. That's not why they made it. They didn't make it to be a treatment. They made it to be the cause of illness. And this has been patented by the Rockefeller University. The application was filed by the Rockefeller University. It's been filed a number of times here, too. Uh, 2012, 2016, 2018. And then its publication was 2018, December 13th of 2018. Application was granted in September of 2020 and then published the same day. And then, of course, activated uh, September 29th of 2020. Its anticipated expiration is August 24th of 2032. So, this is in play. This is a weapon in play. I don't know how else to describe it. It seems like a giant weapon in play and an admission of a weapon in play. And of course, what do we know that this causes? Well, it causes many things, and one of those, of course, happens to be cancer. So, for the sake of brevity, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to link in the description below this article, which is a very nice summary, specifically of cancers and numerous individuals being referenced, and it really is a rather digestible document for someone who wants to learn about the fact that these shots are causing cancers. It specifically talks about turbo cancers that are linked to the jabs, and then, of course, the rapid onset of these cancers um, immediately being stage four out of the gate and a, and a bunch of other things. Dr. Mackis is one of the individuals that's referenced in this, Dr. McCullough as well, and a few other people, I think, too, but it is titled Undercurrents. It says, Truth will come to light. Murder cannot be hid long. At the length, truth will out. And it is uh, undercurrents.wordpress.com. Either way, I will link this in the description below. It's a nice summary. It's a nice document. And, uh, and there you go. I want to make that available to you also. What I'll also do is link in the description below that, uh, that school district template. So you don't have to go straight to my website if you don't want to. You, you can just download it directly from the, uh, the description below this episode. Okay, so there's that. That brings me now to this. No more real jab stuff, so to speak. This just has more to do with being vigilant and, and being aware. Uh, I know I have some listeners in the gas and oil industry. If you can answer this one, go ahead and shoot me an answer. If, if, uh, if you can wrap your head around this one and, and maybe you have some more input. A previous guest I had on the show 
who uh, again, a former paramedic and uh, and firefighter, w- uh, emailed me this, and they were having a conversation with one of their family members, one of their siblings, who is in the gas and oil business. And, uh, and they wanted me to read this. And I said, absolutely. It's rather telling. And I think it kind of shows the nefarious underbelly a little bit, maybe, as to, as to what's actually taking place here regarding gas and oil and, uh, and fuel as, of course, a resource in our country and, and what that means going forward down the road here. And then, of course, I'm going to get into that list that I described earlier. So here's what he said. He said, I was over at my sister's house the other day to hang out as her and her husband wanted to make dinner for my birthday. I didn't see her much as we both, I didn't, yeah, I didn't see her much as we both, as we're both pretty busy and just life in general. She has worked in oil and gas, in the oil and gas industry for most of her life, and she knows just about every aspect of it. However, I'm fairly certain that she thinks that there's a finite supply of oil and that it was created by dinosaurs. Yeah, that's too bad. Uh, Anyway, he said uh, she is intelligent, quote-unquote, but not very smart. I don't recall what brought up the conversation, but she was talking about work and that her company had sold a huge portion of their oil leases and production to a British chemical company. See attached article. And the article that he attached before I continue with the description is from Yahoo Finance on February 21st of 2023, and it is titled Update to Chemical Maker INEOS Makes U.S. Shale Bet with 1.4 Billion Chesapeake Deal. And uh, yeah, and it continues here. His his description here continues. He says, quote, she then tells me that she was speaking to one of the company's employees about what to expect and how things worked. I'm not exactly sure how to explain what she told me, but this is the gist of it. This is a huge chemical company that has tons of money, yet they have never had any experience with oil slash gas or the transport of it. They purchased ships to transport the oil before they purchased the product, apparently way before. They know nothing about the industry. She questioned the person about a number of things, and it was clear that they knew absolutely nothing. They just purchased a billion dollars worth of oil, yet know nothing about how to remove it from the ground. Now, to verify, uh, not, not to verify what is coming out of the ground is viable, usable product what to do with it after it's out of the ground, what the paperwork looked like, what the purchase slash receipt system was for the industry, or anything that anyone spending that type of money for a company should know. She thought it was a bit odd. And after I'd thought about it a while, it was obvious to me that something sounded way off. This seems to me like something nefarious, he said. A front for something. Why would someone do such a thing? Purchase a product and transportability, the infrastructure fa- to facilitate it, and huge ships to transport product overseas, all without knowing a damn thing about any of it. Does that sound off to you? Now consider this, and I'm about to dive deep into investigating this. They said the man who started the OKC company was killed, and I say killed 
because that's what I believe happened. In a single car crash right before a huge investigation was about to come about his company. Some speculate that it was a suicide. I don't buy it for a second. He'd made plans with his family for that very evening and the next day. If memory serves, he had even set out clothes for the occasion at his home. You don't do either of those things if you're going to end it all. His actions and habits did not change, nor did anyone say he was exhibiting any personality changes that would lead anyone to believe he would take his life. I personally feel he learned something that had been going on within his company and was about to bring it to the attention of law enforcement and he was killed before he could do so. Now I have zero proof of this and it's completely speculation at this point, but I'm going to be doing some digging into it myself and I could possibly, uh, I'm sorry, and I could be completely wrong about why, but I will never be convinced that he wasn't killed. What better way to facilitate human slash child trafficking than to use oil gas transportation avenues owned by completely separate companies that are all over the United States. I'm not saying that it is what is or was happening, but my radar is up, unquote. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. That's an interesting one. It could be. It could be for child trafficking. I mean, what makes more money? children and organ harvesting or oil i think it's it's organ harvesting is it not isn't the child sex trade and uh and organ harvesting worth more than guns and drugs combined again i don't know how it stacks up against oil from a monetary standpoint but uh it's certainly interesting and certainly something worth paying attention to and again if anybody out there finds that to be hinky in any line of work, certainly if you're in oil and gas. And I know at least another listener of the show, Steve, who uh, who I've communicated with and has been a guest on the show also, is, is in the oil and gas industry, I believe. Um, if he's got some comments or, or suspicions on this, he knows how to get a hold of me, but there you go. Okay. I wanted to mention this too, and this is this is rather interesting, and then I'm going to get into that list that I mentioned earlier, but we, we've had this rather interesting trend here of all of Donald Trump's children apparently advocating for, for, uh, for gun possession and for all of us to own guns and to protect ourselves. It's almost like they know that something is coming. So... Don Jr., anyway, on October 9th, said, quote, on Twitter, If you don't yet own an AR-15, you really need to think that through right about now, unquote. You know, interesting stuff. We, we shouldn't have to be reminded as Americans to defend ourselves and exercise our rights. I think it's a rather sad state of affairs when that's the case, but either way. Uh, here's what Anonymous Patriots said on Gab. They said, uh, the entire Trump family has now blatantly pointed to the possibility that you will need your Second Amendment to remain safe from what is coming. I'm never reactionary, but the message is very clear. They are practically shouting at us to be aware and to be prepared, unquote. Again, good food for thought. If you don't own a gun, you should. If you don't carry one, you should. Carry one in the pipe. Carry at least one. I've advocated for that for a very long time. I'll continue to do so. Don't have to be reactionary if we're already doing it. 
So yeah, I already do it, and there you have it. I recommend you do the same. Now here's the list. Here's this list that was mentioned at the top of greatawakening.win. Again, food for thought. Ties that in also. Ties in the oil story and uh, potential child trafficking and all the other distractions, of course, that are taking place and the attacks that are going on. But it brings to bear one, one particular question, which is one of the points I think that certainly gets made in this list, which is, since we're being invaded, right? I mean, since our country is being invaded at the, at the southern border and other borders and foreigners are being flown in with a free pass and a nice debit card and a roof over their head and God knows what else, by the time they get here, who's to say that these UN individuals that are being paid by the UN don't have orders to attack us? And who's to say that they don't have orders to attack us, clearly, uh, any time that uh, you know, they get the magical phone call? I mean, I mean, they're preying on the ignorance of Americans, after all. So if they're promised more money and a place to live by attacking Americans, seems like a pretty good plan, doesn't it, to use foreigners to attack Americans on American soil who have already been given a free pass? Just give them a gun. And they can acquire one illegally if they wanted to anyway. Hell, they're here illegally anyway. And I can't think of a better way to disrupt a, uh, an entire election next year, can you? A bunch of foreigners shooting unarmed Americans and even armed Americans and armed Americans shooting back at foreigners while everybody's trying to get to the polls. I'm telling you, why not? At this point, why not? So here's what the post says. There's 16 bullet points, and then there you have it. Uh, and a quick little summary kind of at the end. It says, quote, the 30,000 view of the deep state plan for 2024. Number one, so U.S. has sent so many military weapons to Ukraine who sold much to Iran for Hamas attack on Israel. Assuming that that's real, but there's, that's point number one. Number two, Israel is now reporting shortages of weapons, missiles, and munitions. Number three, U.S. steps in and provides munitions and military support. Number four, Meanwhile, millions of illegal aliens of unknown origin, including vast numbers of Middle Eastern regions and beyond, are infiltrating our country through the southern border, mostly of military-age males, and shipped all over the country. Yeah. Number five, U.S. military vehicles, weaponry, munitions, missiles, etc., nearly depleted as supporting Ukraine and now Israel. Number six. Military-industrial complex, as we speak, are dancing a jig over massive contracts by DOD to ramp up manufacturing of military apparatus. Number seven, Biden administration will filter military apparatus to the millions of military-aged illegal alien males for war on U.S. soil against the American people. Now this right here, ladies and gentlemen, I think this is where it becomes a, a bit impossible. It's far more plausible that a foreigner would be given a handgun or a rifle. That's far more plausible. And then go on a tear and, you know, do whatever they do. What's rather impossible is them being given the keys to a tank. <laughs> I, don't, I don't actually think that's going to happen. What I can see happening, however, 
is the military-industrial complex, the Lockheed Martins, the Raytheons, etc., etc., mass-producing tanks and military equipment, to have that only confiscated by the real commander-in-chief, Donald Trump, to then be used against the foreigners who are here and to help round them up and get them out. Now, that's hopeful thinking on my part, and I know that we can hope in one hand and shit in the other and see which one fills up first. But if I'm being optimistic, that's an optimistic outlook on it. Because I really don't think that C-130s and all the other giant planes that carry military equipment are really going to be going over to the Middle East. Just like I really don't think they went over to Ukraine. I really don't think they did. Because I have yet to see Abrams tanks in Ukraine. Unless I've missed that footage someplace. I mean, have we seen any footage of that? Have we seen any footage of our military uh, equipment actually being used in Ukraine from, from the standpoint of vehicles? I'm not sure about that. Anyway, continues, says number eight, covertly, con- covertly done though, so-called protests, quote-unquote, over the ongoing Israeli-Hamas-Iran war. World War III, as Iran and Syria enter into the Israeli-Hamas war around about spring-summer of 2024. Number nine, in the U.S., air raids, sirens, emergency broadcast systems, public awareness announcements, fake mainstream media reports for U.S. citizens to stay inside and hunker down, or bunker down, rather, as a result of these so-called protests attacks. Number 10. Just like Israel, a nationwide cyber blackout attacks with no intel warning. Number 11. All done just before the 2024, I'm sorry, yeah, 2024 presidential election. Number 12. Deep state knows they cannot cheat like they did in the previous presidential and midterm election years from 2016, 2018, 2020. 2022. Number 13. Scare event, false flag of cyber attacks, protests, armed illegals in major cities across the country to prevent the 2024 election. I think that one is plausible. 14. Congress and or executive branch will proclaim no election in 2024 due to protests, riots, chaos across the country just like Zelensky did in Ukraine. It's possible. 15. Ukraine defensive tactics against Russia and now Israeli offensive tactics are a deep state test run for U.S. attacks right around late August, September, and before the 2024 U.S. election. We can see the blatant parallels. And finally, number 16. 2024 election postponed. Biden or whomever is named POTUS from now until 2024 elections remains as acting president. I think I just figured out the deep state plan. It says it's their, rev- uh, it's their revised election steal plan for 2024. They then said playbook known. We are ready for, are we ready for this? Question mark. Does Trump military have everything in control? Will they secure the 2024 election 
and tamp down this jihad attack before it escalates on U.S. soil? Question mark. Everyone says white hats are in control. I hope so, they said. And there you go. And then they ask for a dialogue and let's talk about it and see what other people think and so on and so forth. So it's possible. It's all possible. And again, I'm just bringing it up because, again, it has 149 comments here. There's people bringing it up. They said, just here's one of them. It says, just in case. I'm making a ring of pig entrails around my house to keep the Muslims out. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> it's rather funny. Uh, the person who posted that, that, that entire comment that I read, that entire list, they said, pounds of bacon frying up on the barbecue grill. How about lamb's blood over the doors, too? Q says it's biblical, after all. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I just know this. We have the right to be Americans. We have the right to be vigilant. We have the right to think. We have the right to question. We have the right to put forth numerous scenarios and uh, and critically think about all of this stuff and have conversations around the dinner table about what could happen and what we need to do and what we don't need to do. But the last thing we need to do is panic. If you're vigilant, you're never panicked. If you're vigilant and you're prepared and your head is on a swivel and you're paying attention, well, good. That's the way that's the way Americans should be. That's the way we should have always been. But we got distracted. And I think a lot of people are waking up and I think that's a great thing. And I think more people are going to wake up in the future and that's going to be a great thing. So I'm going to end it there. I hope everybody has a great weekend. You know, stay vigilant, continue to do the things that you do, but yeah, always carry a gun. Always protect your family and your loved ones. Take them out of the schools, for God's sakes. Get them out. You know how they're going to react if something, if something happens. You know how schools are going to pop off where they're over-emotional presentations and conference presentations and all their pseudo-solutions. You don't want to be anywhere near those environments. The time is coming when that's going to cease to exist. Those government-controlled organizations are going to stop having American citizens and American children in them. And your lack of participation in government activity is the best way forward. And then your activity can be surrounded among you and your family and your loved ones because that's where the focus is always supposed to be, in my humble opinion, along with, of course, God and Jesus. And, and that goes without saying, too. So there you go. Hope everybody has a great weekend. I'll catch you on Monday. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.